It is now, what, the second week of November, and uh, our lease runs out on this building, uh, kind of uh, end of the year. So, uh, so I've been getting a lot of questions over the last couple of weeks. So what's happening? What's going on? What's going on? Uh, and so kind of wanted to answer just uh, a couple of those questions today. Um, we're in our Wonder series, and uh, we're going to continue in that this morning. But uh, just want to kind of give you guys an update. So... Uh, about two weeks ago, uh, our leadership team, uh, after service, Sunday morning service, we went over to the house and we got together. And uh, uh, we've been having a lot of discussions lately just about kind of what we're going to do and everything. But uh, I just felt it was time for us just to come together uh, and just pray. And uh, not have like a normal prayer meeting where like everyone's praying everywhere and praying over each other. But have more of a, a prayer service or a prayer time where we just wanted to hear from God. Uh, and the reason for that is because we had, uh, uh, obviously it's good to pray, uh, but uh, a couple of weeks before that, we had been given an offer of a new building. And uh, somebody wanted to actually build a building for us, which is like, whoa, that's pretty interesting. That's pretty cool. Most people think, wow, it's God. God is moving uh, and stuff. And uh, the, the building was just across the street. And so it wasn't even, uh, uh, you know, it would almost be a no-brainer. Uh, you could just move from here across Old Edmonton, and we would have a bright, new, shiny building. And so we got together, and we prayed about it. We had different responses, and we were thinking, you know, I mean, is this God? Is this not? So that's why we came together to pray. Is it God? Or is it a distraction? Um, and, and so we got together and we started to pray. Well, as we started to pray, um, as different ones prayed and then they shared what they felt God was on their heart, I just started to write down what, what we felt God was saying. And so this is here kind of what I, I wrote down. Now, my writing is terrible. Um, I should have been a left-handed dude instead of my right-handed dude. Uh, my mom uh, didn't know what, which way to like, guide me, and so she guided me to be a right-handed guy because back then in the 80s, like, it was a stigma to be left-handed. I don't know. I could have been the world's greatest pitcher. Who knows? You know? I mean, and she stopped me. But anyway, uh, so my right, I blame that on my bad handwriting. Anyway, so, uh, and it's really small, so you probably can't read it, um, but this is just uh, some of the things that I felt God was saying as we were talking uh, through through this and just uh, and, and praying. Uh, and then uh, one of our people on our leadership team, Erin, um, uh, she's a little quieter, so she doesn't always speak up as much as as uh, some of the others. Uh, uh, but. You can always tell when God's moving upon Aaron, and I can talk about it this morning because she's at the beach and she's not here. So, uh, so you can tell when God is moving upon Aaron because normally she just has this very like like matter of fact voice, and she's like a math science person. She does the finances of our church. She's like perfect for that, uh, but she, not that emotional, right? Uh, but when God starts moving on to her, she gets this uh, quiver to her voice. And, uh, and you can see almost like emotion coming out of her. So you're like, that must be God right there. Uh, and, and so as we were saying, as we were praying, we were praying through different things. And we felt the things that God was saying. And, 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 and honestly, it was a beautiful time where we didn't come out with all the answers, but we just felt that we met with God. And that was the most important thing. Well, as we were coming to the end of our prayer service, she, in a little quivering voice, uh, said, uh, said, said something that just sat deep within inside me. And, and, and she said this, that, that we have to be willing to lose everything in order to gain. 
We have to be willing to die to gain. And she says, I feel God is saying that by losing our building, we are saying to God, we are willing to die to ourselves in order to gain. And it kind of just sat with me. Uh, I, and there was so much more that was said. And if you want after service, you can just re- read some of the things that, 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 uh, uh, that, that I wrote down there, if you can read my chicken scratch. But suddenly I started to think on this more. Now, you probably think, well, what about the building? What's going on with that stuff, right? So just want to let you know. So we made a decision. Since that prayer time, we've come to realize there's a lot of catches with that offer of a new building. And we lay it before God, and we said, basically, God, just show us what's, what's the right thing to do. And so we've decided to turn the offer down. doesn't make sense at all in the natural, but we just realized that God isn't pulling us in that direction to what that person was trying to offer us. And so we're turning that offer down. doesn't really make sense, but we feel that's what God is doing. And I would rather be more obedient to God than just try to fit a square peg in a round hole. And that's what we need to do as a church. We need to be obedient to God. And so we still have no idea what we're going to do in January. Praise the Lord. But we're getting there. But as I suddenly started to contemplate and think on something has to die for it to live again, I went to the scriptures because I know it's in the scriptures, right? I mean, it sounds a very scriptural thing to say, and it definitely is in the scriptures. It's actually found in John chapter 12. So as I opened John chapter 12, and the words of Jesus, it's Jesus talking. And the time is coming almost for Jesus to give up his life and die. And this is what happens in John chapter 12, verses 20 to 26. It says, Some Greeks had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration, paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. He said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, and this is a reply to Philip and Andrew, and he said this, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. So here, the Greeks are coming saying, we want to see Jesus. We want to, we want to find out who this guy is. And so Philip and Andrew, they go to Jesus. And Jesus replies to them. And Jesus is talking about his death. It's just a few moments away from, or a few weeks away from his death. And we know, know what happened. Jesus died. And out of Jesus' death came many new lives. Right, Because you wouldn't be here today if Jesus didn't die. You wouldn't have life in God. You wouldn't have life in the Spirit of God, be born again in the Spirit of God, unless Jesus had died. So Jesus here is talking about his death, a death that would bring life to so many. And we could see that Jesus, his life was the seed, and it went into the ground, and it produced a plentiful harvest. That's what Jesus says. A kernel of wheat has to be planted in the soil and it will produce a plentiful harvest. However, 
Jesus said this, so my disciples must do what I have done. My disciples must follow me and do what I do. And so we see here that Jesus, even though he's talking about his death, he's not just talking about this one incident of Jesus dying and then people having life from Jesus' death. But he's actually given a spiritual principle here that is as true today as when Jesus said it. And the principle is this, a seed has to die in the ground before it can produce life. A seed has to die in the ground before it can produce life. For those of you who are gardeners and like flowers and like planting things, you understand the need for this. For those of you who got very bare lawns and you look out on your grass in your backyard and you're like, oh, I just wish I had what the guy next door has who puts all the chemicals on his yard. You understand you need to throw some seed on there. Maybe turn up, churn up the soil a little as well. But the seed, in this spiritual principle, the seed is the promise. The seed is the vision. The, the seed is, is the dream, what, what you want in life. The ground is the unknown future. It's the failures, it's the trials, it's the problems, it's the issues. And you are taking that dream, that vision, that promise, and you're putting it into an unknown future where you know there's going to be issues ahead. The planting of that seed in the ground is the act of faith. That's what faith, where faith comes in. In, a spiritual, in the spiritual world, if you are taking a dream, a vision, a promise in your life and you are planting it in the ground, that is the act of faith. And then the hardest part of all is the watering. For I don't know about you, but it's kind of hit or miss with my grass in my yard. I'll throw some seed down, I'll throw some fertilizer down and, uh, and, and, and water it. Half of it works, the other half, I'm like, whatever happened to that seed? The birds must have come and taken it. But it's by watering the ground, watering the ground, that the seed will grow. And the watering is the waiting. And that's the hardest, you're waiting. Like, okay, when is the seed going to come? When is it going to grow? And as a church, I feel that we are going through this process right now. We have a visible church, a building. We have a way of doing church. We have lights and a stage and chairs and we have a kids area. And in the physical, it looks great. We have a tangible, measurable church. It has its good moments. It has its bad moments. But we can see it. We can feel it. However, by faith, and I hope it's by faith, and I believe it's by faith, and I'll stand here 100% of my heart say it's by faith, that we are taking what we know as church life at Generation Church, and we are burying it in the ground. In the hope that we are planting the future of our church. We're putting the future of our church in the unknown. Our hope is that through our prayers and our conversations, we will water this seed in the hope that it germinates in the ground and new life will spring forth and a plentiful harvest will come. All we know is that if life is to spring forth and we hope that the act of dying to church life as we know it 
It, it is the act of planting the seed that when life will spring forth, that life is going to be very different to what we have known. Because a seed always looks different than the harvest. And as a church, we have to understand that. That we are dying to church life as we know it. In the hope that we are planting a seed that God will bring forth into a plentiful harvest. But you tell me a seed that looks like the end result. A seed that looks like the harvest is no different. It's so different. In fact, you would never believe that that seed started that harvest. Seen an acorn? An acorn plant an oak tree. How can an acorn plant an oak tree? You would never believe that one would come from the other. And when you plant flowers in your yard and you're planting those seeds or you've got those bulbs that you plant in, they look ugly and they look brown. I'm not saying you guys are ugly, you know, I'm not saying that, don't get that. But it, it just doesn't look the same and then it flowers up in this beautiful flower. See, we have to be, fix, we have to be careful not to be fixated on the seed. We can't long for the seed to come back. So when January comes, we can't look back and we're like, oh man, I wish we were back there on the corner of Old Emerton and Wheel Roads. We we can't think, oh man, life was so much greater then. We have to look forward because it's the act of dying to ourselves and putting life as we know it in the ground for the purpose of the seed is to transform into something that will produce many seeds. So let me get personal with you today. What seeds have died in your life? What seeds have you held in your hands that you've had to let go into the ground? What dreams, what passions, what vision did you have for your life that you've had to let go? What situation right now that you feel is just dying in your life and it's fading away and it's fizzling away? Maybe you had a vision for your life 10, 15, 20 years ago, but it's just fizzled away and you've just let it go in the ground. What have you had to say goodbye to and give up? See, this spiritual principle teaches us that something has to die before it can live. And when it does spring forth in new life, it is always much greater than the seed. And so some of you, you, you've got some visions, you've got some passions, you've got some dreams in your life and they have died and and they've washed away. and And maybe you're left thinking, is this all that there is to life? Well, in times of faith, you have to say goodbye before you can see it again you've lost a vision, seen a dream die or had to give up, then if you live by faith and you water your life with prayer and obedience to God, then what you will lose will be nothing compared to what is to come. I just want to give you some promises from the Bible. God said to Joel, the prophet Joel in Joel 2, 25 to 27, the Lord says, I will give you back what you have lost to the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. 
It was I who sent this great destroying army against you. Once again, you will have all the food you want and you will praise the Lord your God who does these miracles for you. Never again will my people be disgraced. Then you will know that I am among my people Israel, that I am the Lord your God and there is no one, uh, there is no other. Never again will my people be disgraced, God said to Joel. I don't know about you, but maybe you feel like the locusts have come in and swarmed and they've taken everything that's good in your life. Maybe they've taken your dream or your passion or your marriage or your family or your finances and you feel that it's just totally devastated. The promise of God, I will return to you what the locusts have destroyed. That's an amazing promise. I don't know about you, but I've had times in my life where the locusts have come in and suddenly you had a harvest and then you look around, you're like, what happened? God says, I will return to you what the locusts have destroyed. In Haggai 2.9, God said to the prophet Haggai, the future glory of this temple will be greater than the past glory, says the Lord of heaven's army. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. See that the future glory will be greater than the past glory. And in your life, and I believe in the life of our church, that the future glory that God is going to bring upon us is greater than the past glory. This is what I know for every Dunkirk, there's a D-Day. And even a VE day. That's for you historians amongst us. For every persecution or trial, there is freedom. It's what happened in the, in the Jerusalem church. They, they had grown so much and, and God had done wonders. They were, were performing miracles and that God was just working amongst them. And then suddenly persecution happened and suddenly the church spread. And where there was life, there was suddenly death. And for most people, they thought, oh, the church has just died. And even though the church died a little bit in Jerusalem, what happened is life started to spring out of that death. And suddenly the gospel started to spread into Samaria, into Judah, into the outermost parts of the world. The Gentiles started receiving faith in Jesus Christ. And suddenly before they knew it, this church in Jerusalem that had suffered and been persecuted, that was now dying because people were being put to death, now was alive and well throughout the rest of the world, known world. The gospel spread beyond the disciples' dreams. You may have suffered death or defeat, but hold fast to Jesus and you will find that new life is about to spring forth. So as we've been going through this process, this fall uh, of just what are we going to do with our church? You know, where are we going? How are we going to hold services? Like, how are we going to gather people? How are we going to worship God together? So God has been thrusting upon me Ephesians chapter 3. And Ephesians chapter 3 has been like rocking my world right now. And, and, and as I've been looking at it, I've been looking at it with, a, with, with, new, with new lenses about what, what God is doing. And this is what Ephesians 3 says. I'm going to read verses 8 to 21. It says, the Apostle Paul writes into the church in the Ephesians in, in Ephesus, and he says this. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. 
God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was the eternal plan which he carried out through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of the trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. When I think of this, I fall to my knees, Paul says, and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Then in verse 20, he says this, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So this passage of scripture right now keeps coming to me through this whole season we are in as a church. It's causing me to evaluate how we function as a church. It's bringing me into deeper wonder and greater wonder of God that I've ever had before. In fact, just going through this and studying this and going through this process that we're going through, I'm dreaming bigger than I ever have before and I'm seeing the world in a different shade of color than I have before. This is what we find in Ephesians 3, the following truths about followers of Jesus and about us as a church. The first one is this, the church's purpose is to display the wisdom of Jesus. The church's purpose is to display the wisdom of Jesus. What does that mean by that? To present the gospel of Jesus to tell of the love of God, to, 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 to go into the world so they can comprehend who Jesus really is. That's the purpose of the church. We also find that we are to come boldly into God's presence. Come boldly into God's presence. This is what I'm finding. Or I think, to be honest, here at Generation Church, I think we're too timid in coming into God's presence. I don't think we're praying bold enough prayers. I don't think... We're giving God the worship that he deserves. I don't think we're asking enough of God. I think sometimes we come in timidly to God, like, please, God, maybe. Like Oliver Twist, what the kid was, please, sir, can I have some more? And I think sometimes we come to God like that. But the Bible, time and time again, tells us as believers of Jesus to come boldly into the throne of God, into the presence of God. Be bold in your prayers. Be bold in your worship. Ephesians 3 also tells us that his spirit empowers us. It empowers us. 
that word empowering. It doesn't mean that the Spirit just fills us and we have a nice little time. That we get to feel the Spirit on a Sunday morning. The Spirit empowers you. I loved He-Man when I was a kid. My mom bribed me with He-Man figures to take me so I'd go to preschool. And uh, I loved He-Man. For those of you who remember He-Man, maybe like, who is He-Man? Google it. No, YouTube it. YouTube it. But the normal He-Man, until he got his sword and became the real He-Man, was nothing compared to the real He-Man. And as a believer of Jesus Christ, the old you is weak and feeble compared to the new you. The Spirit has empowered you. Not just filled you so you're like, oh, I'm a good Christian. Has empowered you to do more than you could ever be by yourself. The Spirit has come and empowered you. We also see in Ephesians 3, we are to grow in our faith by going deeper. See, all of us, we want to get bigger and we want to get taller, right? My son right now, every day, am I bigger? Am I bigger? I want to be a big kid. I'm like, no, stay little forever. And we want to get bigger and we want to grow bigger. But this is what happens when you find a tree that grows taller. The strong trees actually have gone deeper. And in your faith, if you want to grow in your faith, Ephesians 3 is telling us that we will go deeper. Deeper in his love, deeper in his understanding, deeper in his spirit, deeper in his word, deeper in, in, in that moment that you're feeling the, the, the grace and the mercy of God. And the, Ephesians 3 also tells us that when we do this, you will increase your understanding of God's love. Did you see what Paul says about God's love? He says that, that we might know and we might experience how high, how deep, how long, and how wide his love is. I don't think in our minds we can even comprehend how vast and great God is. When you do these things, it's like water in the ground, so the seeds that have been planted will spring forth. Those seeds that you've let die will live again. However, it's verse 20 that's really rocking my world right now. As you think about your life, what is God doing? What are you asking? What are you thinking? This is what verse 20 says. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. What are you thinking right now? What are you praying right now? What are you asking? The power within you that Christ gives can accomplish infinitely more than you can ask or think. What you could think in your wildest dreams, Christ can think more. So this is what I want to do this morning before I close. <clears throat> and we're going to have a time of just prayer and contemplation in just a moment. But I want to share what I'm thinking. As we go through this process as a church, 
what's going through my head right now. This is what I'm thinking. I was scared to change how our church functions. I'm anxious about what will happen two months from now. I'm worried about making the wrong decision that results in people leaving. But I'm seeing a new way of doing church. I'm seeing smaller groups in this forming exceptional spiritual community. I'm seeing expressions of generation all throughout Harford County in Bel Air, Jarrettsville, Joppertown, Harrod of Grace. I'm seeing larger, larger passionate worship gatherings. I'm seeing food and church collide. I like that one. I'm seeing environments where my neighbors feel at home and comfortable discovering Jesus. I'm seeing a church who understand the need for neighboring. I'm seeing you bring your neighbors to faith in Christ. Notice I didn't say I'm seeing you bring your neighbors to church, you will find Christ, but I'm seeing you bring your neighbors to faith in Christ. I'm seeing a community of faith that truly loves being with each other and worshiping God together. I am seeing a breath of fresh air. I'm seeing creative art and creative new music. I'm seeing kids engaged and passionate about Jesus. I'm seeing parents and kids worshipping and praying together. I'm seeing hugs, tears, laughter and cheers. I'm seeing different races and languages. I'm seeing extraordinary generosity and servanthood. I'm seeing a new church springing forth with life. That's just what I'm seeing right now. So if that's what I'm seeing and thinking, then by Jesus' mighty power at work within us, he will be able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. That's what happens when you lay the seed in the ground and you water it with faith. Suddenly, a harvest comes up. So this is what we're going to do this morning, just in the final moments, in the last 10 minutes of this service. Around the room, at the back, there's two tables. To the side, there's a table over here. To your left, my right. In the back, there is a trough with dirt. And then there's some seeds, just some grass seeds in front of it. This is what I want you to do. I'm going to ask the band to come back in a minute and we're going to play some music. But I want you to go to that table at the back there with the seeds and the dirt. And I want you to take a handful of seeds and hold them. And think of the dreams and the visions And maybe the initiatives and the life that you thought you had that has died. And I want you to hold it and think on those things. There's a, a spiritual practice that you, not many people do anymore. It's called lamenting. Lamenting. Lamenting on the bad. 
We always want to think about the good. But those seeds, think about the things that have died. Maybe the people that have hurt you. Maybe the, the sickness that you had or the financial issue that you had. And hold that and think on those things. And when you've had a moment to think on those, I want you to lay them in the trough with the dirt. As an act of, these are dying. I'm burying these things like a kernel of wheat. And then after you've done that, if you want to go over to the next table, and you don't have to do this in turn, you can do this, you know, however you want. But there's another table at the back with some bricks. It's our little wailing wall where you can write on a piece of paper what you are asking or thinking. Asking or thinking. Maybe you've got a prayer request. Maybe you've got a thought about how your life should be or how the church should be. Write it on there and pray over it. And then just fold it up and stick it in the little wall back there with the bricks. And then come over to my left, my right, your left. There's some candles there. And light a candle. And let that candle represent what God can and will do in your life. The new harvest that is springing forth. The new dream, the new passion, the new hope, the new vision that God is putting in your life. Where you've buried the seed, the candle, let that represent the harvest that is springing forth. And then if any of you want prayer this morning, I know at Generation Church, you just guys don't like people praying for you. I don't know what the deal is. But if you want prayer, then just come forward and we'll pray for you. And pray that God will just touch you in an amazing way this morning. So let's bow our heads in prayer. I'm going to ask the band to come back. And then after we pray, if you want, you can stay seated. You can stand. Just go, you can go to the stations, come out for prayer. But let's contemplate on what God is about to do in your life and in the life of our church. Let's come together and pray together and lift up God and seek God together for what God can do through the mighty power of Jesus at work within us. So Father God, this morning, Lord, we understand that death is so hard. Saying goodbye is so difficult. But we hold on, Lord Jesus, to your promise. We hold on, God, to the future you have for us. We hold on, Lord Jesus, to the fact that you are beside us and you are with us. And we understand the spiritual principle that you spoke to Andrew and Philip that day when you said a kernel of wheat has to die in the ground before it can live and produce a plentiful harvest. And in this place today, Lord, we pray whatever dreams or passions or visions or situations or relationships have died in our lives, God, we pray, Lord, in the matter of faith as we lay them down before you, Lord, that that they will grow, they will be the seed that will grow grow into new life and into harvest, God. So we're praying, Lord Jesus, for our church this morning. God, we don't know what two months is going to look like, but we know that you do. And so we trust in you this morning. 
God, we're believing for a harvest for our church. God, individually in this place, Lord, I'm praying for a harvest for each individual person, each individual family represented, Lord, that what has died will come back to life. And it will look very different, but it will be a plentiful harvest. So this morning, God, we pray that you'll meet us in this place today as we make our requests to you. Lord, as we lament the past and the things that maybe have not gone well. Lord, as we dream for the future. Lord, we pray that you'll just meet with us in this place today. We ask in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you want to pray and go to the stations, you can pray.